Let's pray. Gracious God, we know that your love truly does reach to the heavens and stretch to the sky, for it is so big and so vast that we cannot even begin to understand it. We are so grateful for your love and your grace and your steadfastness. And for the risen Lord and this Easter season that we come together to celebrate. Be with us this morning and bless us and focus our hearts and our minds on you as we worship together. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
and greet your neighbor and children come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. How is everybody? 
Good. Y'all are quiet this morning. Have y'all ever read a top 10 list about anything? Have you ever heard one on the TV or the radio, Ryan? Okay. Do what? Okay. Well, maybe you, maybe you have or maybe you haven't heard of a top 10 list before, but I found one this week um, that was about church, and so I wanted to share it with you this morning. You know, every Sunday we have to decide when we wake up whether we're going to come to church or not. So I think this top 10 list was um, kind of designed with that purpose. These are the top 10 reasons, the top 10 reasons not to miss church. So maybe it'll help you decide on a Sunday morning whether you want to be here or not. Number 10. There are chocolate-covered donuts. Number nine, you make long-lasting friendships. Number eight, singing praises to God. Number seven, hearing a good sermon or Sunday school lesson. Number six, receiving encouragement from others and giving encouragement to others. Number five, Bible study. Number four, Praying for one another. Number three, growing in our faith. Number two, missing church makes it easier to miss the next week and then the next. And then the number one reason not to miss church is you are sure to miss something special that God has just for you. So what could that something be? Well, I think today's Bible lesson might help us find out. It was the Sunday after Jesus was crucified, and his disciples had gathered together in a locked room. They were together in that locked room because they were afraid. They were afraid of what Jesus' enemies might do to them, because what was last week? What happened last week? We celebrated Easter, right? And before we had Easter, Jesus was crucified on the cross. So the Bible tells us that even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood there with his disciples. And when the disciples saw Jesus, they were very happy. One of those disciples, named Thomas, was not there with the others in that room when Jesus appeared to them. And I don't know why Thomas wasn't there. Um, maybe he was fishing, or maybe he just decided to stay here. When the other disciples saw Thomas, they told him that they had seen Jesus, but he didn't believe them because he wasn't there. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, or put my hand into his side, I will not believe it because it was very hard to believe because they had seen Jesus die. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and this time Thomas was with them. The very same thing happened again. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among his disciples. He turned to Thomas and said, See my hands? Put your fingers here. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And, that, and what happened then was that Thomas didn't need to touch Jesus' wounds where the nail had been. He didn't need to put his hand into Jesus' side. Because what happened? Did he know that was Jesus? He did. So he fell on his knees before Jesus, 
and said, My Lord and my God. Before Jesus returned to heaven to be with his Father, he told the disciples that when two or more are gathered in his name, that he would be there with them always. So each week, we come together in the name of Jesus, just like that, to worship him, to be with him, to praise him. So what really important thing do we miss out on when we don't come to church? We miss out on the same thing that he promised us the chance to be Amen. I have a couple of personal prayer requests before we pray. My children, uh, my, our son and our, and our daughter-in-law, three grands, live seven miles away. They live in Rochelle, Illinois, seven miles away from where the destruction of that massive tornado. And they, of course, uh, were, they were in a restaurant, not the one that they showed that collapsed, but they were in a restaurant, and, of course, they had them all evacuate to the back of the restaurant. And my grands are pretty traumatized. Nothing was damaged at their house, but a lot of destruction in and around that community. So I want you to please pray for those folks up there in Rochelle and Fair, I think it was Fairdale, uh, Illinois. And also, uh, Brenda's sister who passed away a few weeks ago, her her brother-in-law just found out he's got pancreatic cancer and uh, doesn't look too good. So I want to remember his name is Roger Thomas. And then Bob Gray, who's a member of our church, he attends 11 o'clock service. His mother passed away this past week. So let us begin our time of prayer. Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Blessed are you, O Lord, you are the God of creation. And you've knit together us as your people, and you've blessed us. And we know of uh, your greatness to us. We understand the blessing of life that we have now through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we come this day to sing our praises to your name. And yet we must confess, O Lord, when we come together that even though you've given us uh, the rules and laws and precepts to live by, we do not always obey. You present your faithful promises in the Word made flesh, but we do not believe, we doubt. And we ask for further proofs like Thomas. For our negligence, for our disobedience, for our unbelief, forgive us, O Lord. 
Help us to understand in new ways Your power as revealed in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Help us to know that the message we've received is one that light will overtake all darkness. And it shows us the weight of life. And so fill us with that same light of Your Holy Spirit so that we may have fellowship with each other and that we might testify uh, of, of this good news to the world. Your people, the church, have been called to be of one heart and soul and mind. And so we remember this day there are many brothers and sisters of ours who are in distress because of suffering in body, mind, or spirit. Be with all of them and with us and let your comfort and touch be felt and so that all may be made whole. Help us, O Lord, to accept your good and perfect will through this and all things. Bless us, O Lord, because we believe in the one who died and rose for us and in whose name we pray, pray in the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as I promised, I'm going to do one more series of sermons. And uh, this is from the commandments. And I, I'm going to take two commandments each day, I mean each Sunday, until we get to through them. So that means this Sunday and four more, you're going to be hearing about the commandments. I hope, I hope you'll find them edifying and and uh, see them as a little different. I like to call them the tender commandments. Uh, so I'm going to read you the whole passage today, but we won't read each, this passage uh, uh, each Sunday. We'll just read whatever one we're studying. I'm in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. 
And when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But not, do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you once again for your wisdom, your precepts that you've given to us. Help us to understand them even for this day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. There's a lot of polling that's done and statistics that are gathered. And recently a poll found that a majority of Americans felt that the Ten Commandments were a useful guide for living. Unfortunately, that same poll found that a small minority of the people could name even five of the Ten Commandments. I guess either the church is doing a poor job of teaching them or people are not listening. It's probably some of both. But like I said, next few weeks I hope to remedy at least half the problems. We will teach them and listening and following them is up to you. Now I want you to understand something right off the bat. The commandments aren't, aren't a recipe for gaining God's favor. You already have God's favor. The commandments are a description of how we're to live with God's people together. The commandments define our relationship with God and define our relationship with each other. Jesus summed up the commandments with these words. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And when you contemplate these commands, you know, if they were obeyed, the world would be a splendid place to live in. Think about it. Crime would stop. Husbands and wives would not worry about the faithfulness of the other. Lying would stop. There would be no disobedient children. And best of all, the churches would be jammed because God, the one and only, would be our primary desire and our love in life. So this first commandment, you shall have only one God, only one, seems straightforward enough. Indeed, another uh, poll indicates that a majority of Americans, believe it or not, still believe in God, uh, even though it's dropping. And one commentator has said this, has put it this way, we may claim to believe in God, but we worship many in practice. Now what does that mean? Well, if you think about it, it doesn't matter. You may be emotionally, you may be spiritually bankrupt, but most Americans will think you're okay if you're famous or if you have wealth. But of course you're not okay if these things have become preeminent in your life over God. I don't know if you remember this story from the New Testament. It's one of the saddest stories that's recorded for us. It's between a man and Jesus. And the man comes to Jesus and he asks him, I want to inherit eternal life. He said, what should I do? And Jesus says, well, are you keeping the commandments? He said, oh yes, I've kept all the commandments. What else am I to do? And Jesus said, go and sell what you have and give the proceeds to the poor. At that, the man's face fell, according to the Scripture, because he had many possessions. His possessions had come to possess him. 
They had become his God. And here's the key to understanding this commandment. Whatever you're not willing to give up for the kingdom of heaven, it has become your idol. Whatever you're not willing to give up for the kingdom of heaven, it has become your idol. In the time of Jesus, the ancient people at that time, it's estimated to have worshipped over 30,000 different idols. One of them was the God of pleasure. Now be clear, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. Pleasure is only sinful when we break God's law in its pursuit. One of the stories I often hear as a minister is, uh, I can worship God at, and you fill in the blank, okay? Wherever it might be. Friends, as enjoyable as those things are, as pleasurable as they are, not much worship goes on. I have been on the golf course, and I tell you, the name of the Lord is often heard, but it's not in the way we use it in worship. My friends, when the pursuit of pleasure takes the place of worship, the first commandment says this is sin. Now, have you ever wondered why God would give this commandment in the first place? Is God insecure? Of course not. The God of love whom we've come to know in Jesus Christ is, is not insecure. He gave this commandment and all the others for our sakes. Think of the mess that people make of their lives when they go to chasing things like success uh, uh, or the Joneses trying to keep up with them or pleasure so much to the point that it becomes excessive and their lives become wasted with dependence on drugs or alcohol or are they be, are they, are their bodies wasted away from sexually transmitted diseases. The Lord says that you should not have any other God before me because these gods, these other gods, can ruin you. So these commandments are really tender commands, tender commands from a God who loves us enough to warn us from the things that can endanger us. So the Lord has come to us so that we can live a life of joy and a life that's abundant. And the best way to do that is to get back to the basics of faith. And there's nothing more basic than the commandments. Someone once told Mark Twain, you all, all might remember Mark Twain from your childhood and, read, and reading. Uh, they told, the, guy, the man told Mark Twain that before I die, he said, I, may, I plan to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land I will climb to the top of Mount Sinai and I'm going to read the Ten Commandments aloud. Mark Twain upon hearing this said, you know, I got a better idea. Why don't you stay right here and try to keep some of them? <laughs> Having only one God naturally means not constructing any idols for worship. That's why it's right there together, I think, in the commandments. Now, at first glance, not making any idols, I don't think seems like a problem for us in the modern world. I have visited many members' homes through the years, workshops, etc. I've never seen anybody in any of their workshops turning out any idols. Now, I have seen them, some very strange-looking lamps being turned out, okay, but not idols. So you think, why then? Why? What, what was going on in those ancient people's minds that they would take something out of wood or stone, carve it, and then bow down to it? Well, I guess before we think these ancient people had some screw loose, we need to try to put ourselves in our place. Now think about it this way. 
They could see lightning and hear thunder. They could feel fierce wind blowing. They realized something was going on they couldn't explain. You see, I believe that the first idols are really a way to express the unexplainable. Making idols touched on a deep longing within people to name and to give meaning and understanding to what was otherwise a mystery. And if you think about idols this way, you can see why God wanted to set the matter straight. You can see why idol making was a problem then and could still be one for people today. In our modern world where jobs hang by a thread, where scandals occur uh, as often as ups and downs in the stock market, where the human spirit craves a system to understand what's going around, along around them, it's often seen as a way to bring certainty to uncertain ways of life. And I think that's why we sometimes construct uh, idols uh, and worship things uh, that we think will help us make an understanding of what's going on in our lives. But the best way to live through uncertain times is to return to the certain path of Jesus Christ. But remember, in ancient times, when crops failed or an enemy approached, it's not too hard for me to see how humans could have went into a temple, spoke to an image, and hoped that the greater reality behind it would hear and respond. The problem was that what had begun as an innocent request would soon turn into deal-making. It would go something like this. Oh God of whatever, if I slash the throat of my child, it will rain, right? And just like Pavlov's dog, all it had to do was rain one time and a whole system of human sacrifice was born. If you don't think this is true, take one excursion to the Mayan ruins in Mexico. I have been there and listened to the tour guide explain all human sacrifice that went on in those Mayan temples. There's a, there's a, a Chitza Itza or something like that. I don't know, I'll probably mispronounce it. Have y'all been there? There is a pool behind the th where their temple was and the excavations have found it full, full of skeletons of children that were sacrificed in the name of some god or the other. So it is into that type of world, think about it, that God decided it's time for people to know uh, the true God and that this human sacrifice thing and all this idol worship is not a good thing. You shall not make yourself an idol, nor bow down to it, or worship it, for I am the, God, the, the one and only God. And even though this commandment sounds so reasonable to us today, did you know that in the whole Bible there are more references to this second commandment than to any other? God wants to be sure we get the point. We have to remember that we've been blessed by many things, but when we're blessed by these many things that make us feel more secure, we must be careful not to idolize these over and above the God who gave them to us in the first place. And we must be careful that we don't do the same things with the things of our faith that we cherish, like the Bible, the church building. Sometimes it's easy for us to fall in love with a building and forget that its primary use is for ministry, not a museum. So God warns us that consequences of our sins are passed on. But God also includes a promise with these commandments, and that's a wonderful promise. 
God's love is infinitely greater than God's anger. If we keep God's tender commands, not only our children, but our grandchildren's grandchildren, and then some will know God's love. The Scripture is clear. To those who love God, His grace and mercy extends for a thousand generations. I don't know about you, but I think we're still being blessed today by many godly ancestors. At least in our family, we give credit to my, our grandmother, uh, Pons, my mother's mother, as still praying for us in heaven. We feel like we're blessed oftentimes by her intercession for us. Friends, if you don't think your actions here and now make a difference, I really don't know any clearer passage in the Scripture than these, these passages about the commandments. There is no better way for you to give your children, your grandchildren, a secure future than to love God and to follow His commands, His tender commands, and to pass that teaching and love on. Remember, as I said earlier, just think how much better the world would be if there was no lying, there was no adultery, there was no stealing. Think about it. What a wonderful world we'd live in if people's focus was the one and only God and no idols. So remember, the first commandment and the second. One God, only one, and no idols. Now next week we're going to turn to God's name and keeping one day holy. I hope to see you next week. I hope I'll see you throughout this series of commandments. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I offer these words to encourage you. Amen. Let us stand as we affirm our faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, and life and death and life beyond death. God is with us. We're not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward as we receive our tithes and our offerings.
open up our eyes surround us with your light your love endures forever mighty is the one who's for us mighty is the one who's strong to say he will make a you stand and sing with us? You are holy. You are holy. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day. week.